I want to invite you to take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. And just a few things while you're turning there. Um, after the service is over, you can place your baby bottles for our support of our Hope Women's uh, Services or Save a Life uh, here in the basket. Uh, and we'll uh, distribute those. Or you can, if you haven't had a chance to participate in that, there are extra bottles uh, that are available for you in the Welcome Center or the foyer. And you can grab one and then uh, just put whatever the Lord would put in your heart. Uh, br- drop that by the church anytime over the next couple of weeks. And we will uh, get it to them. I also want to remind all of our uh, deacons and ushers and our security team of some security training uh, that we have this uh, Tuesday night. It will be the security teams and ushers and deacons from both our campuses uh, this Tuesday beginning at 5.30 at our Eagle Point campus. And I hope that you will uh, take advantage of that. Um, Soon, uh, just in a couple of weeks, uh, we're going to be bringing, if, you, if you're a Bible study class or you as an individual adopted one of our Honduras orphans, uh, we're going to be bringing those boxes, placing them here on the altar, praying over them the first Sunday in February. Now, we have, we have 10 orphans left to adopt, so we have about 60 kids that we're going to be blessing and expressing the hope of the gospel uh, in June. Uh, but we have to ship those uh, the 1st of March, so we've got to get those in um, next month. And so if you haven't had an opportunity to participate in that, there are uh, 10 kids left to adopt. You can call the church office and we can get you, uh, get you hooked up. So let's uh, go before the Lord in prayer before we uh, look to the Word this morning. Father... We do express uh, thanksgiving and praise for our hope. Uh, We express thanks to you for being such a merciful God. And Father, as we gather together and as we bow in your presence, we're reminded of your word that tells us what is good, that the Lord requires of us to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly before you, O God. That is our heart's desire today. Your word tells us to walk in the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit, to live by the Spirit in the world. And so today, Father, as we focus on being the church in our community and in the world that you have called us to be, Remind us of the importance of walking in a manner worthy of the calling with which we have been called. Teach us, Father, to be imitators of God. Remind us, Father, of the importance of walking in love just as Christ has loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And so, Father, may your word today be our guide, your spirit, our teacher, your glory, our chief concern. In the name of Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. I want to tell you, uh, as we begin today, about a young man who was a senior in high school 
And it was in a worship service like this. Uh, he was um, seated near the, the back of the church, just a 17-year-old young man um, thinking about his life. Um, and he was thinking about, you know, all the stuff coming up in school. He was thinking about um, when basketball practice would begin as it would be the last year that he would represent his school and play on his team. He, he thought about what he might do after high school, where he might work. Um, he thought about a, a number of things that would be on his mind. And as a result, this particular young man had the tendency to do what I'm certain nobody here today ever does. And that is to zone out in church, right? You're seated there and the pastor is preaching, but your mind is a million miles away. And uh, I, I know that's the case because I can see it on your face while I'm, while I'm preaching. In fact, for many of you, I, I would suggest today, um, if you'll just go ahead and lay down, you're going to be a lot more comfortable, right, as we go through the, through the service. But this particular young man had a lot on his mind that particular Sunday and uh, would zone out in church, right, thinking about when will the coach start conditioning for basketball, you know, at what point do I start looking for a date for the prom? When should I start thinking about where I'm going to work? And how many places should I apply for jobs? And it's interesting, about halfway through the service, something absolutely unusual happened. Deep inside, there seemed to be a still, small voice. Almost a whisper. And it simply said, this, are you listening? Because today is for you. Are you listening? Because today is for you. In fact, it scared him so much that he immediately started looking around at the people who were seated around him, thinking somebody had to have heard that. Who is whispering to me? I'm, I'm near the back row. There's really not a lot of people seated behind me. So who is, is whispering into my ear? Right? And so after another moment or two, and the pastor is preaching away, he, he, he hears the same voice again. Are you listening? Because this message is for you. And he knew at that moment that he had heard it clearly. Right, Even if no one else did, he knew that he had heard it clearly. What was it that he heard? Well, a good place for us to begin today is simply here. God prepared a plan for your life before you were ever born. God prepared a plan for your life before you were ever born. That's what God told Jeremiah. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you and appointed you as a prophet to the nations. God called Jeremiah as a young man to be his servant. But Jeremiah immediately did what a lot of us have a tendency to do, begin questioning God, begin saying to God, do you really know who I am? You know, because obviously you've chosen the wrong guy. 
Right? Have you ever found yourself in a place where you wanted to tell God, God, I'm just not the person that you really want to use for this specific task? Jeremiah could only see his weaknesses. Right? Jeremiah could only see his shortcomings. He, he thought that he could not be used by God, but God would not put up with his excuses. And so God reminds Jeremiah that before you were ever formed in the womb of your mother, I formed you intentionally for a purpose. And just as God has a unique calling for Jeremiah, he also has a unique calling for you. He designed you with His purposes in mind. And that's exactly the way the Apostle Paul saw his life, right? Paul says in Galatians chapter 1, But when He who had set me apart before I was born, and who called me by His grace, was pleased to reveal His Son in me in order that I might preach Him among the Gentiles. Right, So Paul raised the question that perhaps so many of us raise when we think about God's grace to us. Why would God sacrifice His only Son for a sinner like me? And of course the answer is so that you and I would be living, breathing images of grace in the world. Paul put it this way in his letter to the church at Ephesus. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared in advance that we should walk in them. God made you with His own hands, and He considers you His masterpiece. He created you, He saved you, and He has a specific plan and purpose for your life. We've been asking the question, if the gospel is above all, how does that affect what we do at church? How does that affect who we are as the body of Christ? And so we've talked about the importance of beholding God in worship. When the veil of unbelief is stripped away and we come to a place where we surrender our lives to the Lordship of Christ, we behold the glory of God in one another. Why? Because we're all being transformed, right? from one phase of glory to another until we reach that ultimate phase of glory, our glorification in eternity. Last week we talked about belonging in community and how we need one another, we share one another's burdens, how we do life together as the body of Christ. And Today I want us to think for a moment about what it means to be the church in the world? What does it mean when we leave this place having come to worship and having gone to Bible study? Uh, what does it mean when we've spent time lifting our voices and lifting our hearts in prayer to the Lord? What does it mean when we go out into the community to be the church? 
right? So for our college students today, uh, you know, when we're in college, we're trying to figure out uh, what we are to do with our lives. And so people ask us, you know, the same questions. What, what's your major? What are you passionate about? What are you going to do? Well, what would happen if we started really asking the question, God, what good work have you prepared for me? God, what is that good work that you prepared for me before I was ever formed in the womb of my mother? What is that work that you prepared beforehand that I should walk in it? In the Gospel of John, chapter 20, it says, On the evening, verse 19, of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them. So here are the disciples gathered in a room, no windows, one door, solid door, and they're sitting in there and Jesus has died and he's resurrected and they're wondering if that's really true and, and so they're kind of down and out when the Bible says Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. And then it says, when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them, peace be with you. And get this, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you with this one Command Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, the resurrected King and Lord, announces 2,000 years of direction for His church. That's what He's doing here. He is telling us we are to be God's missionaries in the world. Every one of us are sent on mission by God. I like what H.B. Charles, a pastor down in Jacksonville, Florida, said when he reminded us that the last message of Christ should be the first priority for the church. The last message of Christ should be the first priority of the church. What is that last message? Well, it's the text that was read for us earlier this morning. Jesus came and said, All authority in heaven and on earth and is given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Every single day, Jesus Christ is sending us out into the mess of the world. Why? To show them the beauty of the kingdom of God. To show them the beauty of grace. To show them the wonder of God's mercy for every one of us. That's the command. That's the work. This is the mission, right? This is to be the priority of the people of God. When we leave this place, having spent time in worship and time in small group Bible study, what is the agenda of God for our lives? And it is simply this, to be a disciple that makes disciples. Everything we do should do just that. Right? So if you're a teacher... You are a teacher for the purpose of making disciples that make disciples. 
If you're a college student pursuing a career or a major, you are selecting a major that will help you be a disciple that makes disciples. Every single thing that we do is to be a disciple that makes disciples. That's what following Christ means, church. It means making disciples. Jesus is saying, go and make disciples. And notice he's, he's not first and foremost saying, hey, go and have daily devotions. Or hey, go and give to the poor. No, go make disciples. He did not say make sure all your needs are met. He did not say make sure all your preferences are satisfied. He said go make disciples. There are a few things that come closer to capturing the heart of our calling than this. We're to make disciples of all nations. That word nations, the word ethne, all groups of people. Geographical, relational, all people groups. Church, can I ask you today, how are you influencing the people who are watching you? This is a good time For us to remember that the Holy Spirit of God is whispering into our ears. Are you listening? Because this is for you. How are you influencing the people who are watching you live your life, live your faith? Every one of us, young or old, Believer or unbeliever is engaged of some form of discipleship. Why? Because we all follow someone. Every one of us carries significant influence as we live our lives. In his book, Discipling, How to Help Others Follow Jesus, this is what Pastor Mark Dever says. He says, and I quote, To be human is to be a disciple. God didn't present Adam and Eve with a choice between discipleship and independence, but between following Him and following Satan. And then he says, we are all disciples. The only question is, of whom? See, the central command is the command, make disciples. And everything else that he said, all of the other words, are how we do it. The central command of the Great Commission is make disciples. And the words explain how. The words like go, words like baptize, words like teach, they are merely explaining how we make disciples. The command is not simply go. The command is not simply baptize. The command is not simply teach. Those are all secondary statements to the primary command, which is make disciples. The word go literally means as you are going. So we make disciples by going. In other words, it's not that we have to, you know, go far away from home. It's simply that we have to be dedicated to the mission on our street, on our campus, in our school, at our jobs, everywhere we go. The issue is intentionality. If we're serious about God and His gospel, we'll be serious about going. Why? Because you can't spell God without go, right? 
You can't spell gospel without go. Go, he says. That's how we make disciples. Baptize. What is that? It's the outward evidence of transformation. We make disciples by baptizing. We saw that last Sunday when three people stepping into the waters of baptism to simply say, Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life and I'm going to follow Him for the rest of my life. Teach. We make disciples by teaching. So a confession of Jesus Christ as Lord and the obedience to His teachings, these are the two key elements of making disciples. If it is discipleship through the gospel, then it's simply we repent, we believe, we follow. I love what Jesus said at the end of Matthew 28. Those are some of our favorite words, right? In all of the world. He said, I am, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And there it is. Christ followers are never alone. How many of you can say, thank you, Father, for that truth? We are never alone, no matter what. Jesus is loving us, watching over us, taking care of us in the midst of life, even when we're not aware of it. So I want you to carry this with you today. God designed you for a mission that's larger than life. Are you listening? Because this is for you. God designed you for a mission that's larger than life. And your initial response is probably going to be very similar to that young high school senior when the Spirit of God whispered into his heart. Who? Me? Are you talking to me? Do you know who I am? Do you know how broken I am? Do you know how unqualified I am? Do you know what a mess I am? You simply can't use me. And yet the Lord says, are you listening? (laughs) Let me offer a few questions for us to ponder this morning. Number one, what will be the legacy of your life, an example, among the people who are in your life now who are going to outlive you? Right, This is fresh for me. Sat right there last night, sharing in the funeral service of a 33-year-old young man. Are you listening? What is going to be the legacy of your life and your example among the people who are in your life right now and they are watching you? Another question. When you step out of this life, into eternity 
what will you have left behind in the lives of others? Right, when you step out of this life into eternity, what will you have left behind in the lives of others? Or another question, will you leave behind an image of yourself? <laughs> or will you leave behind a bold and lasting image of Jesus Christ that points men and women, boys and girls, to eternal life? Why is that so important? Because God says, before you were ever formed in the womb of your mother, I knew you. I marked you out. And I have a plan for your life. God says, you are my masterpiece. And I've created you to do some incredibly great things. And I've prepared those things for you before you were even born. I marked them out for your life. God has constructed an unbelievably great plan for your life. He has constructed for your life a calling to be an image of Jesus Christ in the world, wherever that takes you. In whatever field you work. He has created you. With everything you need to fulfill that purpose. And he is saying to you. Are you listening? Are you listening? I've got a plan for your life. Are you listening? I've got a plan for your life. David Livingston was born in 1813. He died 60 years later. He was a medical missionary who opened the continent of Africa to the gospel. As a teenager, there was a particular prayer that changed David Livingston's life. I want to lay that prayer before us today and simply say that if we will make this our prayer, it will be a prayer that will change us as well. This is what David Livingston prayed as a teenager. Lord, lead me anywhere. Just go with me. Lord, lay any burden on me. Only sustain me. Lord, sever any tie in my heart except the tie that binds me to you. I want to challenge you today. You make that your prayer. And you will experience the presence of God in your life in a way that you could never imagine or think. By the way, that high school young man, he is actually with us today. Would you like to know who he is? He's me. That's my testimony. That's the story of my life.
That's the way God speaks and works in your life. It's simply God saying, hey, are you listening? Because this is for you.